This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast. Evan Roberts, Mike Biseglia. I do think that Mike's other podcast, the fair weather the bad weather fans podcast yeah. i think it's damaging you mike i, yeah, I, wanna, I think you're right it's damaging you because i agree it, it is causing you to be obsessed with the knicks in a way that's not right. healthy I agree. so i i don't know what to say i think you should continue doing the podcast i'm not suggesting otherwise right but the audience should know that biseglia texted me right before we started recording comparing the Knicks preseason game attendance to the Nets preseason game attendance. That's a problem, bro. I agree, but I am going to, I am going to do a a, a bad job here and I don't care. I'm going (laughs) to call out my friend on Twitter, Brooklyn scary hours, who's a very good net fan and him and I interact all the time at Brooklyn nets 85, right? He's very smart. He knows a lot of, very good details on like the in and outs of contracts and signings. And he was the one that texted me or, or tweeted me this. So I'm going to call him out and say it's his fault. <laughs> Sorry, so, Brooklyn, scary hours. That's on me. So he tweets that out at you. DM me, DM me that. DM you. So he, wanted, he knows how to get me. He wanted the information out there. He knew he didn't want to do it because it is sort of a petty thing to do. So he figured, let me give this to Biseglia. He'll right. put it out there. That's yes. smart. I give him smart credit. Move. <laughs> it is. I got to be honest. Like, and I saw that, I was like, oh, you know how to feed me. You know how to feed me well. I'm at uh, this, uh, you know, Brooklyn Nets at the park today. I'm feeling myself. I'm seeing all these net jerseys. I'm like, that's right. There are net fans everywhere. <laughs> and, and then I'm seeing this and I'm going, that's ah, a Nets town. The, I, the, I was all in on it. You know, it's a Saturday. I'm feeling good. Ego in, in full strength. So. Yeah, I, I, bl- I blame you, Brooklyn Scary Hours. Now, I need you to break down a little bit of the workout because even though I've been a season ticket holder for years now and I've always been invited to go to this event, I've never been able to go. Mm. It's always on a Saturday. I'm doing my Saturday show. So I have still never gone to one of these things. It looks awesome. It looks cool. You got to go. Give me a breakdown. What was it like? It's a lot of fun. The first thing that struck me, Evan, was it's really at some like a nice park, but nothing out of control or unbelievable or NBA ready. It's basically at Pier 2 in Brooklyn, a nice looking park that's got other things going on, other basketball courts. There's a uh, hockey rink. It was really cool. And 
I will say it was a lot of fun. My one critique of it was it took forever for the Nets to get out there. They really do a great job of milking everything beforehand. Like they would play music, right? And every time a song would end, there'd be a two to three second ga- uh, gap. And all the fans would be like, <gasps> and then nothing would happen. But when it was out there, I loved it. It was really cool. I went with my dad, my uh, wife, and my son. And we, you know, my son was very little, but we really enjoyed just seeing all the players come out there. The ovation for Kevin Durant, the ovation for James Harden, the ovation for Blake Griffin. And then, you know, you texted me as well because I, I, I wasn't really on Twitter as much. But Kyrie would be there and Kyrie came out, too. And it was a very surreal moment to see all the guys out there. And then it also reminds you they are real people, too. Uh, it, it was really fun to see. The practice itself is really just more of like a glorified horse game going on. But I think the interaction that the fans get that you can be that close to you know, four years ago when it was guys you've never heard of to now being up and close and personal to some of the best athletes in the world is really remarkable and really cool. So what kind of ovation did Kyrie get? Did Kyrie get a big ovation? Was he booed? I think Kyrie got the biggest ovation there was. My dad said he got booed, but I don't know if he, I I, I don't know. It it sounded very loud for Kyrie. And I was curious how they would, um, you know, go out and, and, and introduce the Nets if they would do it like, players you've never heard of to Kevin Durant at the end, but they did it alphabetically. So you kind of had a sense of who was coming next. And I thought the Kyrie ovation was loud. Durant was super duper loud, but you, there was a buzz when Kyrie came out there wearing the mask, unlike everybody else out there because he's not vaccinated, which then also just humanizes the whole thing where it's like, Oh my God, he's wearing a mask because he doesn't have a vaccine. Meanwhile, if you have to get into this practice as a fan, you have to show your vaccine card with your license or ID to get a wristband. So Kyrie clearly did not have to do that. So uh, strange, strange, strange all around. But it was loud when Kyrie was introduced, for sure. Yeah, it, the whole thing is fascinating. I, I And I said this on the air during my Saturday show. I don't know if you agree. When it came out on Friday and it sort of felt like a Friday news dump, Mm-hmm. that Kyrie Irving would be allowed to practice because it's a private business. And so the mayor, the lame duck mayor, Bill de Blasio announced, yep, he'll be able to practice. I think that is a overall a bad thing in terms of Kyrie getting the shot and playing in home games. And the reason I say that is I think Kyrie Irving wants to wait out the city of New York. I think there's a hope in his mind that the rules will change He'll never get vaccinated and he'll eventually be allowed to play in home games, which may well happen. I don't know if the vaccination rules are going to stay forever. They may be something that's installed right now as we try to get an even better hold of the virus. So I think him seeing that here's a rule change that now allows me to practice, I think emboldens him. Like I think it is not going to help convince him that boy i really got to get this shot so i can play in home games i think in his mind he thinks i'm gonna win this that was the first thing that crossed my mind when i saw that as well i completely agree with you because in his head he's like not only am i am i gonna win this i got this overturn with practice in 10 days you're telling me i'm not gonna be able to get this other part overturned absolutely and it's it's october this net championship run is going to go deep into June. 
It's October. There is no way. I'm, I'm fully convinced at this point. First of all, Kyrie is not stepping foot in Barclays Center for the month of October or November. I, I'm convinced of that. He's going to, like it or not, he's going to win what he wants to win, and it's going to happen. There will be a rule change, and he'll get it. It's going to happen in December. It's going to happen in January or February. I'm convinced of it, and the Nets are going to have to sit it out and wait because there's nothing they can do about it. Nobody can say, oh, the Nets should just bench him and make a statement. They're not going to do that. They're going to go to they're going to go to Brian Windhorst. They're going to go to Adrian Wojnarowski and be like, put out a negative report that makes us look good in the media, and that's what's going to happen, and Kyrie's <laughs> going to get what he wants. Hate it or not, it's reality. Yeah. I, I, I cannot imagine – I would be shocked at this point if he gets vaccinated. I think at some point he plays, but it's because a rule change happens or somehow he figures he figures out a way to get around it because he's Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I, I think the only way he gets vaccinated, and it's not going to be him doing his own research and all of a sudden being convinced he should get vaccinated. <laughs> I think the only way he gets vaccinated is if we're sitting here in the middle of April and nothing has changed. And then, yeah, I think at that point, maybe his team right. led by Durant and Harden would put their foot down and say, come on, <laughs> right. now it's go time. But yeah, I, I'd be stunned. That, that's where I'm at now. I'd be stunned if for opening day, it's a Sunday afternoon against the Charlotte Hornets, that Kyrie Irving is in that building. And mm -hmm. I think the way it should be handled, because I know there's going to be a lot of opinions out there, including the one the Nets floated out there a few days ago, which was, we don't want him to be a part-time player. That was floated in the Woj story. We we don't want something like that. If he's able to practice in Brooklyn and he's able to play in these 38 games because eliminate the 41 at home, eliminate the two at Madison Square Garden. My understanding is he would be allowed to play in San Francisco and he would be allowed to play in Los Angeles. There's this weird caveat to the rule where road players are allowed to play. I think it's ridiculous. Whatever. Mm -hmm. So I think between the 38 games he could play and all the practices in Brooklyn, I think as long as the locker room is okay with it, and that's going to be the key, I think the Nets are going to say, and Sean Marks is going to say, yeah, we'll keep him as a part-time player because he's still working out with the guys. And so when that time comes where he's able to be a full-time player, it's not like you're taking a guy who hasn't played in six months. So because look, me and you are going to have a view that's very different than 98% of the people out there that are non-net fans. The non-net fans are going to say, screw Kyrie Irving. What the hell? Tell his ass to go home. We're fans. Right. What that means is we're end game is winning an NBA championship. That's it. That's our end game. Our end game isn't do the right thing. Our end game isn't what's justice. No, our end game is what puts the nets in the best spot to win a title. And that's what any fan would think, by the way. We're not unusual in this. So if you're thinking along the lines of, okay, what gives the Nets the best chance to win a title, you're going to want them around. You're going to want them to practice with the team. You're going to want them to play road games so that when things change, whether it's Kyrie's choice or the city of New York's choice, it's smooth. It's ready to go. All right, he's been practicing. Let's play. This is a, there's, Okay, my brain's trying to wrap around this. There's two parts of this. The first part is the media angle. At first, this is going to be a huge deal when he's not when when Charlotte comes around and he's not playing. This will be a story. But what's going to happen is once we get to November, once we get to December, and this becomes normal, 
this will not be a story anymore because it'll become regular part of everyday life with the Nets. Kyrie played on the road. Kyrie didn't play at home. And at some point, it's going to be like, there's nothing else to say. And if the locker room can handle it internally and just say all the right things and and put on the facade, they don't care. There's going to be nothing left for the media to ask. And it'll just be part of the situation. It's going to just occur. And then the other part of it is you're a Nets fan and you're telling me when they play the Bucks on a uh, the 19th and then they have to go play Philly. You don't want Kyrie Irving there. You, you bet your ass you want Kyrie Irving there. You want him there to beat two of the better teams in the Eastern Conference that you're going to be battling against when it matters down the road late. So what you said so early is true. When we get to April and if this shit's not, sorry, excuse me, is not settled, that's a problem. But for now, it's the way things work. It'll be a huge story early. And then the middle of the year when basketball is forgotten about and it's all about football, this won't even be a topic anymore because it'll get, it'll get boring. Oh, Kyrie Irving missed the game against the Cavs at home. No one's going to care. And then he'll, and then you know what happened? He'll pop up and be there. It's just, to me, it's just, it's a bigger story outside of the Nets fan base, but internally, I think they're going to take care of business. It, and it is what it is. Get used to it. Yeah, the the more I've given it thought, because it is so unusual, the idea of and I and I flirted with it, so uh, I guess I'm you know victim of this too. The idea of telling him, "Well, just don't play," then is stupid. Like I, I the more I think about it, it doesn't make any sense to say, mm-hmm. "Well, you're a part time player. We don't want you. We're not going to accommodate that." I mean. This isn't an NBA rule. This is a city of New York rule. Bradley Beal is not vaccinated. He's going to get to play in every single game. So to say, because there's a rule in New York City, that's not going to allow him to play home games. Why should you then go that extra step and say, we're not going to allow him to play opening night in Milwaukee? Why? It just, other than trying to pressure him to get the vaccine, If that's the strategy, the strategy is, look, we're going to, it's like a work stoppage in sports, like a a strike in baseball. It's not good, but we figure the only way to get to the ending we need is by forcing the owner's hand. So we're going to have a work stoppage. Other than that being the philosophy, like we're going to tell Kyrie, you can't play because we're just so desperate for him to get the vaccine. It doesn't serve a purpose. If he's available for 38 games, he should play 38 games. And look, I know the Nets are, they're not a love team. There's a lot of Nick fans that want to take shots at them. There's a lot of Laker fans that want to take shots at them. So they're going to look for anything to kill them for. But the more I think about it, I, I don't think it's worth being killed for them to say, yeah, he's going to play the games. He's eligible to play it. What, what are we supposed to do? So I've given a lot of thought. I think he's got to play. You know, I, I think you're not telling him go home. Like, I, I just don't see what the benefit of that is unless you're just trying to force his hand. What'll be interesting is if he misses games, like, okay, this past season, Kyrie disappeared for a chunk of time, back-to-backs, the whole deal, we, whatever happened in the past. If he then misses road games for rest for management, that's where there's going to be problems. Load <laughs> management, that's where there's going to be problems. So if you're not playing in home, home games, unless you're hurt or there's something serious going on, realistically you've got to be there well, for the road games that's that's where that's where this kind of give and take has to happen you can't then take off games on the road 
What's funny is that the Brooklyn Nets open up the season in Milwaukee, the season opener, they play in Philadelphia, and then they play six straight games at home. So, yes, he'll be able to practice now, but between, I think it's no, uh, October 22nd and November 5th, which is a decent chunk of time, he's not going to play because nope. they have such a long homestand. So, and I, I, he's not going to play. I mean, anybody who thinks he's getting the vaccine, I don't know what you're thinking. I mean, it's just not happening. He's standing there with his mask on at the outdoor practice. He now knows he's allowed to practice in the facility. I don't know what anyone thinks would happen between now and October 24th, which is their home opener. That would make you think he's going to change his mind. I, I think the one negative besides, you know, the fact he's not playing in half the games is I think that for now will be calm. Like, all right, he'll be ready for the playoffs. Something will change. But I think as the calendar starts to turn and we get to December and we get to January and we get to February, if things don't change, we are going to start to get nervous. We are going to start to say, what, what the hell's going on? Like what's going to happen if we get to the middle of April and the, the rules of New York city don't change and Kyrie Irving doesn't change. Like, are we literally looking at playoff basketball where one of our best players is not available at home? So I do think that's a fear that will get into our heads as the season rolls on. And I do think that's very true, but also will play into how is this team playing? Is this team 23 and four in looking unstoppable? And then you feel more confident or is this team have splits at home and on the road that are different? Is this team not playing well? They need Kyrie Irving. There's a lot that goes into how we'll feel down the road. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to have I don't want to have the I don't want to have the guessing work of what it's like without Kyrie. I'd rather him be right. there because I know how much he adds to them and I know the scoring points that he gives them. But I do think what we feel down the road in March and April will be dictated by this regular season. And you know, that it's go time in the playoffs. It, it's just so funny too, because all of this, all of this, all of this, and then Kyrie Irving goes up for a, you know, a, whatever that was a rebound. He lands on Giannis's foot and he's out for the playoffs. So you could have all this excitement and anger about Kyrie and he could miss all this time and then be healthy for the playoffs. And it wouldn't even matter. So right. it, it's, it's what happens down the road. And I, I do think it'll dictate how we feel when we get to April, how this regular season went. And if, if our scared meter is up or down well, based on that. He, here's the big thing to what you were saying about how their season is going. We'll judge a lot of this. I remember last year during the course of the regular season, I would keep a chart on what their record was with right. every combination. Just KD, mm -hmm. KD Harden, KD Kyrie, all yeah. three guys, Harden Kyrie. And the one thing you remember is that the Kyrie Harden duo was outstanding mm -hmm. while Kevin Durant was out. They were 14 and three. When they only had one star, whether it was just Irving, just Durant, just Harden, they were good. They were not great, which is understandable. Their record was 11 and seven when there was only one star out there. If Kyrie's missing road games, if there is an injury to Kevin Durant or James Harden, and yeah. I'm not even saying a serious one, I'm not saying, you know, the catastrophic one. He's going to miss three weeks. He has a hamstring issue. We saw that last year, certainly more than three weeks, with both Harden and Durant. Immediately, our reaction is going to be, all right, Kyrie's got to get the shot. Like that. That's literally <laughs> going to be our reaction yeah. because 
we're going to look and say, wait a second. Now, all of a sudden, KD's got to play by himself for the next three weeks. Oh, my God. All of a sudden, James Harden has to play by himself for the next three weeks. So the other thing that could impact this, one injury. You know, when you have a big three, one thing we've marveled at is, hey, as long as they've got two of the three stars, they're good. Like normal people would think Durant's the key. Well, we saw last year in the regular season, the Kyrie Harden combination was insane. Like record wise, that was the best duo of the bunch. Not saying that would be the case long term, but you lose one star and the other one can only play half the games. Then we're going to there'll be some pressure on Irving, you know? Yeah, no, you lose all that flexibility. You lose it all. I mean, that's the beauty of having the three stars. But when you have guys that are you now Harden wasn't really hurt until this season. But that's a big question mark going into this year because you have to see if he can prove to be dur- uh, durable. You know, the, Durant's going to miss games. Let's be real. He's not going to play in 82 games. He's going to play. Durant's going to play, if all things go right, based on everything, 60 games. I mean, that's just reality of it. And then if Kyrie's at 41 max, plus now let's say, or if, if, if it continues with this trend, 41 games i mean yeah that's that's a scary part that's that's true there's no way around that and that that's something that's unavoidable and you don't want to and i've i've fully committed to this now i'm not going to be one of those guys that's like i want to see my guy play in every game because i know that's what matters and that's how i feel and i'm i'm a new yorker when you play 82 games you grind and you hustle no i don't care i want you to be healthy when it matters i want you to do well in the big spot so yeah durant's gonna miss games harden's gonna miss games so I hope it's and, and you're right. The second it's two to three weeks, where the hell's Kyrie? All right, a couple of things about the maintenance days because it is coming. We understand that. And I think both of us said as Durant was playing 48 minutes a night in the postseason, this is why you give guys maintenance days. A couple of things about that. I accept it. I understand it. It's all about the postseason. I think most of us realize that. There are two things that I think are very fair to question. Number one, when do you maintenance guys? Should you look at the schedule? Because this is the one issue I had last year. Maybe you shouldn't pick a game in Philadelphia against the 76ers as a game where you maintenance guys. That there should be more of a strategic look at when you're giving guys off days. Because at the end of the day, assuming Kyrie Irving is eligible to play home games, you'd like the one seed. You know, you'd like it. And I think being the one seed this year would have made a huge difference because if they were the one seed this year, they're not playing the Milwaukee Bucks in the second round of the playoffs. Now, they did have game seven in their own building. That didn't make a difference. I fully acknowledge that. I'd still like game seven in my own building. We know it didn't make a difference a year ago. So I would question when they decide to give guys off days, and I would also not do it at the same time. Last year before they traded for James Harden, days into the season. It was a game in Memphis against the Grizzlies. They sat both guys. And I just don't know if that's the game plan I'd have. And I'd also build maintenance days around road games because I know Kyrie Irving's playing. So I'm not even talking about being nice to ticket holders. Whatever. I'm a season ticket holder. I'd be the first to tell you I should not be a priority. It should be about you know, sitting guys at the right time to win an NBA championship. But because of the fact that Irving is probably going to play almost every road game, I would lean towards sitting Durant or Harden, not at the same time, 
during road games. So I just want to see them be more strategic about when they sit guys. I'd love to be the guy in the meeting that's like, all right, let's uh, take out the schedule. Here's home, here's road, and let's figure out when we're sitting our guys and when they're playing. Kyrie, okay, this is a home game versus the Indiana Pacers. It's a back-to-back. Then this game here is home. This means this happens there. Talk about something people have never done before from a rest standpoint and looking at a schedule and trying to figure out maintenance days based on this guy doesn't play at home. These are superstars that need rest days and trying to figure out that schedule. Hmm. That's like a whoever is assigned to that job. That's a full-time job yeah. in itself to get that figured out and get ready. And you might not like it, but it's reality. And it's what's important for the Nets. Because again, look at the playoffs this year. The whole the whole question last year was, all right, these the, the big three have only played seven and a half quarters together. Will they be good enough to win a playoff series when they're all together? And then the big then what happened was, well, we never got to find out because James Harden got the hamstring and Kyrie Irving landed on Giannis's foot, and the right. rest is history. So it didn't even matter. By the, by the way, a lot of the back to backs early are home home. So it doesn't even fit how right. you'd prefer to sit guys because right. you'd prefer to sit them on the road because, you know, Kyrie Irving's playing. But I'm telling you, if you look at the schedule early, they got a, they have a lot of home games early, which I guess in a way, if this thing's going to drag out, is not a bad thing because, you know, hopefully James Harden, Kevin Durant are playing a lot of games earlier this season. You're racking up wins early, even without Kyrie Irving. I, I don't know. I I mean, it's a weird thing to think about. Like, when when do you want to have home games when one of your better players is ineligible to play in them? The the other thing, and I'm going to ask this to Sean Marks the next time I interview him, because I, I do think it's a fascinating question when it comes to maintenance days. Is it better to not have maintenance days, but just have minute restrictions and say, look, KD, you're going to play every time you're able to play, but there are going to be certain days where, you're not playing more than 25 minutes. Is that really a, a terrible idea? Because then from a marketing standpoint, it, there's an illusion that, hey, I went out and played 82 games. Yeah, he did, but he, he was he was on a minutes restriction. Like, isn't that something that's worth considering as opposed to telling guys on certain days you're not playing at all? I think it's hard for the net staff to limit his minutes. But the one way they did it, which I kind of, not at first, but now looking back on it, I kind of liked, was when Kevin Durant would come back and he would miss the first 18 minutes of the game, then come in and play the rest of the game. And that's the way they managed it. I kind of loved it. It was, you know, okay, we're only down four. Let's bring in Durant, this special closer. Here we go. And and, and, and then he kind of kicked some butt. He was great. That was kind of cool. I think the problem is for the Nets, the Nets is, and this is very different than the Kenny Atkinson Nets, very different. When Kevin Durant plays, he plays. There's no, everybody caps out at 31 minutes. Oh my goodness gracious, Spencer Dinwiddie made it to 34. <gasps> that, that's gone. It's when, when they play, they're playing 40, 38 right. to 42 minutes. Do you think he I don't would, think they can do that. Do you think if you, uh, obviously not in the, the heat of action, if you ask Kevin Durant, look, you're going to play the same total minutes for an entire season. We're just figuring out how to divvy it up. Mm. Would you rather play 60 games, but man, you're going to get to go balls to the wall 40 minutes a night, 
Or would you rather play 82 games, but there are going to be some games where you're restricted to 20, 25 minutes? What, what would he pick? Mm, the 60 a, games balls to the wall? I don't know. I don't know the answer to it. Yeah, that's tough. Um, I think based on what we've seen, it's the balls to the wall when he plays. But yeah. I don't I don't know. That's that's a really tough question. And I also really wonder tough. if Steve Nash can handle it, because one thing I, I've learned about Nash one year coaching this team. And again, you refer to it because Kenny Atkinson was always restricting minutes. It feels like Steve Nash can't restrict minutes. No. And I don't know if it's the power of the player or if it's that Steve Nash in the midst of games is like, F it, man. I just want to win. Like, come on. Yeah. Ha. Hey, I don't care if it's the middle of February. Maybe he's got that mentality of I I just can't do it. Kevin Durant's a drug to me. I'm mm-hmm. going to play him 38 minutes because I need to win that freaking game tonight. And that was so weird for us. I think now this year we'll be more used to it. But last year when we're kind of in the Kenny Atkinson old school net and old school, but that old form of net from him where we're used to D'Angelo Russell getting the 31 and the rotations coming in and out. It was weird to see. Durant plays the whole first quarter, 12 minutes. Then at 7.52, he's back in the game, and he missed four minutes in the quarter. That was that was weird to see. Even this last preseason game against the Bucks, where Durant and Harden are getting serious minutes. And I know it's the preseason. It's not a – I don't know what his strategy was, but they have their own theory of what they want to do to get guys ready. It was still weird to see these serious-level dudes – getting some heavy run against bucks that I've never heard of a <laughs> couple of things about that game, by the way, first of all, I got angry at Joe Harris early when Joe was hitting a couple of corner threes and he was yeah. red hot right out of the gate because, and I was actually, I, I shouldn't admit this because it's probably illegal in some way. I put the game on in my car, the video of it. Now I was focused on the road. I want to make that clear, but I did have the video up. So but, but I'm looking at the road. And I was also in massive traffic on the West Side Highway. So I had a lot of time to glare over. But I started screaming at my phone, I think, after Joe's third three, saying, I know, dude, could you have done this in the middle of May, bro? Could you have done this in June? I guess it was June when it was happening. Could you have done this against Milwaukee? Like, if you hit one more shot in that series, I'm not kidding. One more effing shot in that series, we win. Whether it's going back to game three or it's game seven, obviously. So I know I have to get over it, but right out of the gate, I'm watching Joe Harris make shots that he freaking couldn't hit when it mattered the most. What's it going to take then for, because I I agree with you. I, I, I think I, I texted you because I wasn't sure if you were live because I had the same thoughts. I'm like, of course, Joe is not missing his shots right away versus, and it also made it also the fact that the first game in Barclays was against the Bucks, So it was so easy to envision those other shots that he missed. It was like impossible not to think that how, how could you not, what's it going to take? I, I, I don't obviously if he has a solid regular season and he's the same player we've seen, it's really going to take a playoff performance. To, to change the narrative on Joe. There's nothing else that can really do it. Uh, be, I mean, you know, I'm saying he's a good regular season. He's 42 plus percent from three. It's going to be the playoffs. The change is how you feel about Joe Harris as a long-term Brooklyn net. He needs to, he needs to have a big time series in the playoffs. He, he needs to say, you know what? I've learned from this. 
I'm going to be the guy this year. He has to, or else the regular season means nothing for him. I, I, I know it's a terrible comparison, so I, I admit that before I said it, but Alex Rodriguez could win MVPs for the Yankees, but the Yankee fans said, do it in October. I watched you collapse in 04. I watched you choke in 05. I watched you drop to batting eighth in 06. Like, none of this crap matters. And it's great that you're winning MVPs, but none of it matters until you do it in October. And unfortunately for Joe, who is the OG of the Brooklyn Nets, Mm -hmm. he could have a great season. I think in the back of our minds, we're going to say, okay, great. Now go do it in the postseason. And what, what bothers me a little bit is I watched a lot of that preseason game. And, and look, there are some observations I can make, like Nicholas Claxton's role on this team is certainly fair to wonder. I mean, the guy got six minutes of burn in a preseason game. So with LaMarcus and with Blake and Paul Millsap, who didn't even play in this game, it is absolutely fair to wonder, what is Nicholas Claxton's role? But we'll, we'll get into that at some other point. But throughout this preseason game, I kept thinking back to game seven and it makes me wonder, is this just going to be a miserable regular season? Is it going to be a regular season that no matter how much success they have, you're going to think back to what could have been a few months earlier because I still haven't turned the page and I don't know if it's opening night and watching the bucks get their rings. Maybe that'll do it. I don't know if it's the home opener. I don't know when it is, but even watching that preseason game the other night, I'm still pissed off about what happened last year. True. I know it's not healthy, but I'm being honest about it. No, I'm with you, Evan. I really agree with that. It's, it's having to erase the demons from the playoffs and the regular season is going to be a bandaid over our pain. That's all it's going to be. I mean, it's going to be, we get to watch it as long as things go as on the course as we expect it to, it's going to be about getting to the playoffs and winning playoff games. And that's all that matters for this squad. It really does. You know, it'll be fun. It'll feel good. It'll be nice. It'll get W's. That'll be great. I don't expect this team to have issues like they did last year, even if Kyrie is missing every other game or whatever it turns into. I don't expect this to be the pre-James Harden trade nets. I think they're going to win games. And I think it's going to be about going into the playoffs and taking care of what was not done. And that's the... The exciting part, because here's the basketball, but uh, long-term it's like, oh my God, I got to wait till end of April, May, and then we're going to do it again. (laughs) And then here it is. I, I'm the least optimistic fan in the world, Evan, the Nets are winning the championship. I've convinced myself of it. This is Uh, happening. I don't know. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm there. I've, I've got, I've, I've convinced myself of it. I was debating if I would tell you this, I've taken myself to that place. I've been waiting my whole life for this to happen. This is the team. This is the squad. This is the year. It will happen. We'll get it done. Sorry. From your lips to God's ear. I I, I don't know, man. I mean, I I, I hope I know, you're right. I know. I hope you're right. I we got a long, long journey ahead of us. By the way, I, I'll end with this. What pisses you off more? Nick fans being confident in their basketball team and they're off to a nice start in the preseason, but we get it like the Nick fan who says we're going to win 55. We're going to win 60 or the Nick fan. And I've seen a lot of this and I, I I'd be lying if I said I was pissed. Cause I'm not, I'm more confused by it or the Nick fan that says 
look how dysfunctional the Nets are. Thank God that's not us, which is such a weird opinion to have because, yes, the Kyrie Irving thing is weird. The Nets are championship favorites. Right. That's never been the case in Nick history. But which one bothers you more, the overconfidence in their team or the let's pity the Nets because they're a circus? The overconfidence in their team. The circus one doesn't bother me as much because I guess because it's I just think it's really stupid because I've seen Nick fans being like, ah, now you know what it's like. And I'm like, well, when you were a circus, you won 26 games. (laughs) Even as a circus, we're still we're still the best team in the league. So it's hard to it's hard to fathom. What's really bothering me is. We beat preseason games. Let's get to the 50-60 win mark. That one annoys me more. Uh, I don't know why, uh, but it's, it's a really interesting question because those are the two plans of attack. Also because I'm so used to the Nick fans saying, nobody cares about the Nets, they're irrelevant. But at the same time, let me point out everything that's wrong with them. I don't care about the Nets, but I want to tell you how bad they are or what's going on that's wrong. Okay, if you don't care then you don't care. Like, I don't care about the Pistons, so I don't comment about the Pistons. When I care about something, I talk about it. So I know they're full of it. The one where they're winning all these games annoys me because it's the it's the braggadocious overconfidence. Here we go again. That one gets under my skin, not the other one, because I think it's just stupid. <laughs> How about you? Well, well, I got to be, I know you're not going to believe me. I know you're going to think I'm full of crap. I don't get bothered by anything right now. And I used to, I used to get so pissed off at anything that Nick fans would say to me, but I, I don't because we're that much better and it's a weird spot to be in. It's a weird place to be in, but in terms of competing for a championship, we're a lot better In terms of popularity, I've never really cared that much about it. And the Nets have enough popularity. I'm not saying they're the Knicks, but enough people care about them, especially from a a national standpoint that right now, and look, things can change once the season starts. Right now, none of it bothers me. What bothers me the most is thinking of Joe Harris bricking threes in the playoffs. Like my anger has actually just shifted towards what could have been last year. But I I do admit, it's all subject to change. You know, when I'm at Madison Square Garden for a non-Nick, or I'm sorry, a non-Net game, I don't know, maybe something will happen that'll piss me off. But but then again, if I'm at opening night, and I plan on going to Nick's opening night, Nets opening night, I mean, I, I do work in New York sports talk radio, so sue me. But if I'm at Nick's opening night against the Boston Celtics, and Nick fans start chanting, FKD or Brooklyn sucks or whatever. That won't even bother me because I'll be like, thank you. I compliment. (laughs) I mean, it really is a compliment. I've said this before. There was no F Kenyon Martin, F Jason kid. It was, they're cute. They're nice. I I, I don't, you, you said this before. The Nets aren't the Knicks. They're not the popularity, but the fact that there is a caring and an anger it shows that there's been a dent made, and there's no way to ignore that. Good talking to you. Mike Pasegli, you can check him out on the uh, Bad Weather Fans podcast, the Mike Delivers pod, and every once in a while with the Brooklyn Basketball pod. We'll start doing it weekly once the season starts, which, by the way, is right around the corner. Believe it or not, we are almost there. 
Uh, thank you for listening to this edition of the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast. <laughs>